going to be hired not for what you do, but for how and why you do what you do. Hello, and welcome to I Have a Few Questions About Being a Grown-Up. I'm Annie Middlemist. And I'm Patrice Ciccarelli. We're two coaches helping new adults who are trying to navigate their path. We tackle your questions and offer solutions while building your emotional intelligence along the way. We're here to help. Let's get started. Hey, Patrice. Hi, Annie. How are you today? I'm great. It's kind of warm here, but it's muggy in California. (laughs) Unusually muggy where I am. (laughs) Sorry, that's kind of, uh, I think all of North America is hot right now because it's just I am excited today because, thanks to you, it's not just you and I, but we have another friend on the line with us, Diana King. Welcome, Diana. Hello. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's so nice to have you. So we've done several episodes with our new grown-ups who have some questions about what growing up is. And um, based on what we know of you and knowing you, we think that you might have some great advice to offer our audience. So um, just to start out, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Well, currently I am a coach. I focus a lot on career coaching. And, you know, as I always say to my clients, you know, there things don't exist in isolation. So like, yeah, we might be talking about your career, but I promise you it's connected to everything else in your life. So, you know, I don't like to say life coach because that has some like, you know, weird connotations to it sometimes, but, you know, career coaching is really life coaching. So yes, I am a coach, uh, tend to focus on career. Prior to that, I was a technical recruiter for many years. Um, So I think that's probably what gives me the insights to the subject matter of career coaching. So I've seen tons of interviews and job descriptions and um, all kinds of, uh, things having to do with uh, career development through the lens of recruiting. So if you don't mind, we have a couple of questions for you. All right. One would, they won't be hard. Um, (laughs) One question is if someone is a senior going into their senior year of college, they're going to be graduating, they want to get a job. What's one thing they could do this year to make them feel more prepared for when they graduate? Or to prepare for graduation and for not school life? Wow, that's a good question. So let me make sure I understand. So what's the one thing they can do to prepare for their their life, not their career life, but just like life as post-college life? For getting a job, for job hunting. Okay, for job hunting. Well, you know, it's the same thing I say to anybody, really. And first and foremost, and this sounds kind of corny and basic, but know thyself. Know yourself. It's really easy, especially in the beginning, to be kind of led around by your nose of what you, quote unquote, should be doing, should be learning. You know, a lot of people make decisions about their career based on what they think is going to be more marketable or what they think is going to get them more money. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't consider those things. Those are definitely, you know, things to consider. But You know, it's sort of like um, a lot of the micro decisions you're making now are going to have a big impact many years down the line. So I talk a lot about self-awareness, too. And I was curious, when you tell people to know themselves and build that self-awareness, how do you have them do that? What are some things that you do as a coach 
to have them practice self-awareness? Well, one of the shortcuts I use, Patrice, and I know it's a tool that you're also familiar with, is uh, the mind time assessment. I use that a lot in my coaching practice for helping people to figure out what, you know, what their unique value is, right? So I always say you're going to be hired not for what you do, but for how and why you do what you do. You know, when I was a recruiter, it was a very common experience for me to do like a screening interview with a, a, a candidate. And I was working mostly with, you know, software engineers and technical people. And I say, so, you know, I've read the job description. I've read your resume. You know, thanks for showing up for this interview. You know, I'm curious, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what makes you feel successful in a job? And, you know, back then it was before I was a coach, so I didn't phrase the question in a way, but what I really wanted to know was like, tell me about you, mm-hmm. you know, don't t- tell me about what makes you tick. Right. And what most people would do is they sit down and they would say, well, I started out at this school and then I graduated and then I learned this skill and then I learned that school. And they're just kind of giving me a, a reverse chronological story of what's already on their resume. And the fact of the matter is what's on your resume is the commodity part of you right? That that's, that's what you do. What's on your resume is what you do. It's not really your how and your why. And your how and your why, that narrative is the thing that is going to cause people to be like emotionally engaged with you. Mm. And if all human behavior is, you know, run by our emotions, which we're all latest in neuroscience tells us that this is true, we're really not based, you know, we're not really logic and evidence-based creatures. <laughs> um, <What>? <laughs> you know, so, you know, what's your narrative? What's your how and your why? If you can't show up and, and have your elevator pitch, some people call it elevator pitch, some people call it your, you know, professional value proposition, some people call it your professional perception of difference or whatever. But if it's only about that commodity aspect, like the what you do, but they don't tell me what is your intrinsic skill or what's your intrinsic aptitude that causes you to do what you do. So your narrative is, you know, who you are as a person first that explains why you do what you do as a professional. So when I'm helping my clients kind of come up with this narrative, you know, I find, I hear myself saying a lot, like, look, Patrice or Annie, think of it this way. There's something you did when you were nine or 10 years old. I'm sure you still do today. You may (laughs) very well use different language tools, methods, strategies, whatever to do that thing. Mm -hmm. But there's something about you that's hardwired into who you are. It's as unique as your fingerprints or your DNA it transcends what you do for work and you bring it to work with you every single day. So that little bit of the Venn diagram, that's your how and your why. That's your unique value proposition. That's the reason that somebody's going to hire you. Right. So, uh, so having a, having a narrative about that. So the reason I love the mind time thing is because it's all about your how and your why. Yeah. So Diana and I met, about 18 months ago doing learning from the mind time foundation i joined a small group of collaborators to just start studying it from the owner and founder of mind time john fury and 
I like you, Diana. It's such a great launching off point for a coaching conversation just because it creates that common language. It helps people set to where they are and how they think and um, and it starts getting them thinking about their how and their why. So I think that's great. And I'll drop the link in if anybody wants to take the mind time survey to get some insight about themselves. I'll drop it in the show notes. But so when you when somebody comes up with their how and their why, does that show up anywhere on their resume? Or is that just in conversation? That's a good question. The whole, I mean, you can ask 10 different resume writers that question. You'll probably get 10 different answers. I think a lot of it has to do with what stage of your career you're in when it comes Mm -hmm. to the resume. I can't wait till we retire this relic that we call the resume, frankly. So one rule I have about resumes is that your resume has one job and one job only. That's to get you an interview. It's not good for anything else. So if you are, you know, advanced in your career and you have tons of years of experience, you know, what you put on that, what you put on your resume actually kind of gets narrowed down because the more experienced you get, the irony is the fewer things that, you know, the more pigeonholed you get, right? Right. So the less experience you have, the more expansive you can be. So, um, you know, if you don't have, you know, if you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of professional experience to put on your resume, I think a really concisely written personal summary on a resume can, can really contain some of this how and why language that kind of draws that thread through. Yeah. So it really depends on kind of like, you know, what, what profession you're in too, because certain professions have different preferences around how they want to see resumes. Yeah. If you're really young um, and just starting out a really well-written personal summary, again, that is like, here's who I am as a person that explains why I'm doing what I'm doing as a professional. That's really good. So besides the resume, what are some other things that people who are just starting out in their career should be thinking about when searching for a, a new job, just out of college, say, what are some things, what are like the most important things that you would tell them? Network, 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 network. Who do you top, know? Those are the top six things. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I work, so I work with students coming out of coding boot camp, and they go through a really, really intensive program to learn coding. And then we give them six months of career coaching. And I do these exit interviews all the time. And I always say, what advice do you have now that you got your job? What advice do you have for, for those who are still looking? And almost all of them say some version of, I wish I had started networking sooner. So, you know, we have this, we, we send mixed messages to young people all the time. We, we, we tell them, we, we kind of sort of tell them that, you know, this is a meritocracy, right? That if you, you know, the person with the best grades is going to get the best job. We know that that's not true. Right. You know, so who you know really is important. And if you're the sort of person who's like, well, I don't want to talk to people I don't know or this, I hear that. I hear that and 
at this particular juncture in time where it's still about who you know and you have and the good and the bad news is we have a lot of tools now to connect with people. So, you know, LinkedIn, getting being active, I hate to say it, but being active on LinkedIn is is a really good move for your career. Yeah. And and I I say this to young people a lot too. Um, it, if you're gonna do one thing and play the long game for your career, and I don't care what profession you're going into, and I use these words very specifically and intentionally nurture and curate nurture and curate your professional network from now until the day you retire and what i mean by nurture is keep in contact with them these should be people you actually enjoy being in contact with so you know stay in contact with them and curate curate this 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 network that you have they're going to be as you grow and advance in your career, your perspectives are going to grow in advance too, which is going to make you um, more of a match for different people than, than maybe you're a match for right now today. So curate that, that professional network because when it comes time for you to find a job, I promise you, those are the people that's going to get you there. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. And it's one of those things that when you're not practiced at doing it and you don't have the courage at first, you just have to start with one person and just ask somebody, introduce me, or do you know somebody I can talk to? And you don't, and I think it's a mindset thing, right, Diana? You don't want to necessarily think about it like, oh, I'm only talking to him because I want a job. That is not the mindset you should have. It's I want to know about them. I want to know what made them successful. I want to ask them questions about what they like about their career and what they don't like about their career, because all of those things will help you gain self-awareness, will help you learn things, but it'll help you develop that relationship. And people love talking about themselves. They love talking about their career. So anytime somebody reaches out to me, and I think you've acted, I know you have connected me with some of your clients before in the past just to have a conversation. Tell me about the company you work for. You know, who do you know? What what should I be doing if I want to work for that same company? All of those things. It's just so important to have the conversation. And we're still connected on LinkedIn. And, you know, I see her pop up every once in a while. I don't know what she's doing right now, but I see her. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, by the way, for talking to that individual. She um, She's pretty cool. And, and when we get off this call, I'll give you an update if you want. I get a lot of uh, people are in the beginning, it's not uncommon to be resistant of like, but I don't know how, what do you mean? I should just like reach out to somebody I don't know and ask them this question. And I'm like, well, yeah, but there's, there's ways to do it. Right. So there's a big difference between receiving a message from somebody that says, Hey, I see you work at a company that I want to work at too. So would you please talk to me so I can pick your brain and learn everything about that company so I can get a job there. The difference between getting a message like that and getting a message from somebody you don't know that says, hey, you know, I see that you recently made a transition from X to Y. That must have been really challenging. I'm so curious of what that was like for you. Would you be willing to share your experience with me? So when you make the request about them, Mm -hmm. and it's it's a subtle difference, but it's really significant 
people want to, you know, people are more, like you said, people like to talk about themselves. Yeah. So people yeah. like to talk about their career, especially if they enjoy their career. And, you know, I, I've told students before, I said, pretend like you're a journalist and you're writing a story about them. You're just curious about them. You know, there's no intention other than I just want to know more about you. Yes, that it's the intention and that and I think it's so important for when you go into those conversations is be clear in what your intention is before you go in so that your words all, always follow your intention. So if you go in with the intention of I want to learn more about you, I'm so curious, those are the things that you will ask and be curious about. And you want to like you said so well, you want to trigger the other person to want to help you versus what do you want from me? You don't want to trigger the, what do you want from me response? Yeah. And, and on that note, you know, with reaching out to people, you do, you do not know just through connections, but I've been hearing some people saying like, Oh, I want to get a job at company Z. And I say, Oh, you know what? Your mom's friend so-and-so works at company Z. Why don't you give her a call? She'd love to help you. I want to see if I can just get it on my own. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, Okay. okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, good luck to you. So There's just, there's just no pride in that. There's no, no one's going to give you a crown because you did it on your own. If you want to get in, find the open door and go to the open door instead of picking the lock around the corner and trying to get in that way. Yeah. If there's an it's open door, go to the door. Yeah, it's that not a meritocracy. Sense. It's not a meritocracy. Doing it on your own has in this particular context has very little value. Yeah, I agree. So what's your view on the importance of doing unpaid internships before going into the workforce? Um, Conflicted. (laughs) (laughs) Conflicted. It, it, gosh, like with so many things, it depends, right? So I have seen people get taken advantage of in these unpaid internship things. So just straight up used in a really bad way. I've also seen these unpaid internships work beautifully for people to get some experience on their resume that they wouldn't have otherwise had that then allowed them to parlay that into a full-time paying job, either with the place that they were interning or someplace else. So it really depends. I think unpaid internships can be really effective, especially if you're in a technology field that it's hard to break into. You know, so even a lot of these entry-level software engineering positions, you mean like, oh, you got to have two years experience. Okay, how do I get two years experience? If you are to do it, though, I would advise to be really clear with what the boundaries are, that there's a, there's a beginning and an end, and that if you are working for free, you still get something out of it, either you know, at the very minimum, a a robust and public testimonial written by the company's owner or founder or senior person on your LinkedIn profile, for example, that can be very helpful. A letter of recommendation. I'm biased towards technical right now because I'm working with so many tech people. But if, you know, if you're doing, you know, unpaid coding that you are allowed to somehow have that reflect on your GitHub profile, you know, as long as it doesn't, you know, doesn't have proprietary information on it or something. So it, it, I'm conflicted about it. It depends. Certain professions, I think, are more notoriously abusive of these 
unpaid internships another. So it helps to know what that is. It's a case by case thing. Yeah. So maybe going back to C word, we've been saying this whole time of the curious, going curious. And, you know, I think another thing for applicants to remember is that you are bringing value no matter what. Yes. And so don't see yourself as they're doing you a favor. You know, you're doing them a favor. You're providing a service and do that with integrity, just as you should lead every aspect of your life, lead with integrity and curiosity and you'll know. And if it feels wrong, it's probably wrong. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen to your gut. I love the idea of putting boundaries on it and having an idea of what you can get out of it before going into it. So you can negotiate that versus going into it, doing the free internship and then asking for the testimonial or, you know, make it part of the deal at the beginning, have those guardrails and have a intentional plan in mind going into it versus trying to uh, make it happen afterwards. Yeah. If there's not an exchange, if there's not a monetary exchange of value, then make sure there is some value exchange in the, in the arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. So what one piece of advice would you give somebody going into an interview? Have it, have a understand what your narrative is. The very first question that you're likely going to be asked in most interviews from now, I don't care if if you're a junior level or senior level. So tell me a little bit about yourself, (laughs) right? And if people tell me, oh, I hate that question. I say that is the biggest opportunity question of all the whole interview practically. Right. I mean, it's your answer. There's no right or wrong to it. You get to set the tone. That sets the tone for the rest of the interview. So, um, yeah, have have a you know, kind of have a narrative in your back pocket. You know, you know, sometimes it's you know, people think you know, what are your talking points, right? What are yeah. what are the things? Play around with finishing the sentence. I've always been the sort of person who. Mm. Oh, that's good. I like that. What um. It's important when you're meeting somebody for the first time, whether it's an interview or some other situation to connect with them and start building a relationship, even if it's like a brand new acquaintance type relationship. Do you give your coaches advice on how to start building that relationship in that situation or things that they can do? You mean with the people that they're interviewing with? Yes. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I usually say that. So I'll use the example again. I work with a lot of technical, young technical people. So typical interview cycle is you have the the HR screening interview or the cultural interview, as they say, and then they'll pat. If you pass that, then you get pitched over to the technical interview, mm-hmm. and you know that's when they'll you know here's a coding problem. See how you can do it. Um, so the kinds of questions, because at the end, I'll always say, so what questions do you have for me? You know, so if you're talking to an HR person or, you know, a recruiter, don't ask them questions like, you know, what's in your tech stack or what's a typical day in the life of a programmer here? Well, they're just going to have some BS answer for you. Right. Um, <laughs> the kinds of things that are really going to, that, that I, if I'm the HR person that I know about, I might know, not know about the tech stack, but I know the process. 
by which somebody gets hired into this company. So questions for HR are things like, you know, uh, when does this position have to be filled by? How many people do you usually interview before you make a decision? Um, how many rounds of interviews am I, you know, can I expect before you make a decision? Who makes this decision? What happens if if you don't have the right person on the day that you're supposed to have the position filled by, you know, so those kind of process questions, right, because right. if you know the process, then it's not a black box for you, right? It's a lot less likely that you're going to get ghosted by HR, right? Right, right. So if I know, for example, oh, she said the next step is going to be her recruiting coordinator is going to send me a message and tell me, you know, what the next steps are. Then you say, oh, great. What's that person's name? So I can look out for their email. I don't want to miss it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. So then what you have, so you already know what the next step of the process is. And you already know who is going to be executing that. So if you don't hear from that recruiting coordinator in the amount of time that they said they would call you, then you send them an email and say, hey, I haven't heard from you. Just wanted to let you know, here's three times I'm available to interview next week. Nice. So you make it easy for them to take the next step in the process. And you can't do that unless you know what the process is. What do you think your clients, if you had to narrow it down to just a couple of things, take away from working with you? <laughs> what do they actually take away? What do I hope they take away? <laughs> <laughs> is it different, Diana, really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the highest value of a coach really is not in our experiences, really. It's, it's helping. Well, here's a belief I have. There's advantages and disadvantages to every single state of being in the universe, every single one of them. And if you're perceiving the advantage or the disadvantage, it has everything to do with your perspective. So as a coach, if I'm working with a client who is stuck in a disadvantage of something, and that can be anything, right? They're the ones who know themselves. So my role is to help them see a different perspective or to help them expand their awareness and acknowledge some unquestioned assumptions. We all have unquestioned assumptions that we make, right? All of us. And they're unquestioned. That means it's a blind spot. So if I'm a good coach, I can help shine a light and ask them like, okay, Patrice, you know, you've been walking around on planet earth as if this thing were true, you know, but now that we're isolating it and really looking at it here in this context, let me ask you, how true is it really? Mm -hmm. And it's very likely you're going to say, wow, it's not true. Or wow, there's another truth too that I never really acknowledged. And then I get to say, okay, so now that you have this expanded awareness of what truth is, how are your behaviors actually in alignment with what this truth is? And that's where the real, that's where the real shift happens, right? That's when I get to say, or you get to go, oh, but that doing that thing is really scary. Well, of course it is. Cause it's outside of your, you know, it's unfamiliar. It's probably outside your comfort zone, yeah. but that corny saying everything you want is outside your comfort zone is really true. So my highest role as a coach, I think, is to help support people taking actions that are in alignment with their deepest truth and then helping them align their behaviors to that truth. That's so good and so well said. I, I would have taken three times as long to say that. <laughs> so good because I totally agree with you. It's, I love helping shine that light and helping them get that insight 
And I love trying to help them figure out how do I practice that? What's the first thing I can do to go practice it to prove that that's that I can do it? You know, what's the smallest thing? What's the first and the smallest thing I can do? And then come back and say, well, what happened? How did it go? How are you going to do it different next time? I think that's that cycle is so important. And what I love most about coaching, I think. Clients that have been most successful under you, under your coaching, what what would be one thing that you could say about them? Mindset. They have the right mindset. It's all about that. It's not about a meritocracy. It's really not. I've seen I've seen students with perfect tech scores cannot get out of their own way, can't get an interview to save their life. I've seen students with mediocre tech scores sail through interviews and land jobs effortlessly. And it, the difference, it's not, it's, it's about their mindset. It's about how they show up and how, what they believe is possible for themselves. Wow. That's so good. So how, how can people find you, Diana, if they want to work with you? DianaKing.com. You can go to my website. <laughs> DianaKing.com. I love it. <laughs> uh, my email address is Diana at DianaKing.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Diana King. <laughs> D-Y-A-N-A. So that's, right. that's a little different. There is another D-Y-A-N-A king on linkedin and she's a ghostwriter so i oh, sent her a message which was kind of funny i said i don't think you could be my ghostwriter <laughs> yeah, same name <laughs> she could be actually that might be easier <laughs> i'll drop all that information in the show notes too so if anybody wants to reach out to you or has any questions for you um, they can find you easily in the show notes and um, gosh, this has been so great, Diane. I really ap- appreciate your time and the conversation has been amazing. Thank you. This has been super fun. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. This has been fun for us to nurture and curate our own community of coaches together, um, adding to our circle. And, and it's just so nice to have you. And you gave such great specific things that people can do. And then really underlining the word mindset and that if you believe you can't, you probably can't. Yeah. If you, you know, you can't, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, it, you know, it's an interesting time for, for job seekers now for recent graduates now, and just really understanding that there's three people right here on this podcast who want the best for you. And most people in the world want the best for you and want to see you succeed. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much for all of your insight today. I really appreciate appreciate it. And it's been wonderful getting to know you better. My true and genuine pleasure. Thank you. If you have a few questions about being a grown-up or would like to be a guest on our show, you can reach us at I Have a Few Questions podcast on Instagram and I have a few questions podcast at Gmail. Reach out either way. We would love to hear from you and take your questions or maybe even meet you in person. And if you enjoyed listening, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. It would mean the world to us. We always love having subscribers and making new friends.